What is going on, everybody? This is episode 115 of Pop Culture Crisis. My name is Brett. I'm here with my co-host. Introduce yourself, please. Hello, my name is Mary. I went slower today. Yesterday you said I went Thank too fast. Thank you. Uh, I went slower today. I appreciate so, that. Uh, that's uh, that that's very good. I, I feel like we're off to a good start here. Yes. So uh, we have a guest host today. Introduce yourself, please. Hello, everyone. Dane Font here, marketing man extraordinaire, and the patron saint of White Boy Summer. Back again. Once again. Back again. Yes, indeed. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. I am in a good mood because the topics did not come easy today. Uh, we had uh, one of those days where I was looking for a little bit of inspiration on what to talk about today, and we found... Uh, but you some... just sprinkle some fairy dust all over it. That's basically what it, it is. It comes right to you, wrapped up in a bow. Um, in the if, if the bow and fairy dust were made of Chet Hanks. And, yes. Uh, uh, so, so we've got, <laughs> if that's a clue for you guys, the first top... Well, no, it's not the first topic we're gonna to save him for topic number two so he can wait like, a little bit yes you can't just get chet hanks first chet hanks is a, a more like um a uh, little bit of foreplay yes mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> say it again dane a little bit of foreplay perfect <laughs> soundbite uh, <laughs> uh, so we've got chet hanks not apologizing to anyone we've got uh, an interesting article that i found talking about dr strange in the multiverse of madness which uh just came out we saw it over the weekend but some people were saying that they thought it should have been rated r i disagreed but there's some interesting discussion points that dane keeps uh, having sound bites playing are, are we good did you mute your computer mute my computer <laughs> you, you mute your computer good all right so we got that we so we've got chet hanks we've got dr strange in the multiverse of Madness and its uh, controversial rating system. And then we've got an article about uh, why movies today, which is something me and Dane have talked about on the show a lot. Why have they all feel kind of so empty and vacuous and stupid uh, at the at the commercial level? We got that. We got Podluck. We got a bunch of other stuff. So if you two are ready, are we ready? Oh, yeah, we're ready. Let us commence. All right. All right. So the first topic says uh, it says it's about Doctor Strange and it says viewers think that the strain that the Doctor Strange two rating was f uh, too dark for its age rating, uh, and it's different in the UK, but here in America that's PG thirteen is what that's called. Uh, and some people were actually making arguments. Now, Dane, you haven't seen it, but uh, we saw it. And the first thing that I said was like there were horror elements in this movie, mainly because Sam Raimi is an established uh, horror director. Uh, but I I wouldn't have pegged it as being a horror. What are movie. some hor horror films that he directed? Uh, Evil Dead. Uh, Never saw it. Okay. Um, is it gruesome though? It's not. There's there's absolutely like violence in the movie, like that's done in a more implied fashion. I'm thinking more to the scene <laughs> with the Illuminati characters, where he like where. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, guys! If you're still waiting to see Doctor Strange, I, I will talk about some spoilers here. I'm so glad I remembered that beforehand. I never remember beforehand when we're doing this. So, um, where she, uh, where uh, Scarlet Witch basically cuts down all the members of the Illuminati in in vaguely uh, kind of gruesome ways. Uh, she buries oh. Captain. Uh, she buries Monica. Rambo or, or Captain Marvel in like a pile of rubble and you see her hand kind of go limp uh, she cut uh, she um, black bolt um, again guys spoiler alert she like uh, who can like destroy things with his voice uh, she like closes his mouth so when he tries to speak like it reverberates, it back. reverberates back uh so uh, like that's just fairly gruesome and then there is the uh oh, i fell asleep for those parts the uh <laughs> that she 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 was less of a fan than even a, a lot of other people and, and i was only really a fan of scarlet witch in this movie but um there's also the part where um i feel like the like uh sleep uh what was it dream walking yes um dr strange where his, his like face in his is corpse all... yes 
that's a little gruesome looking. I think but... that's what most people are referring to, but it's done in such like, yeah, like one thing that an argument that could have been made is like, if it had been done with practical effects, it would have been more gruesome and more, uh, noticeable yeah. but since it's all done in post-production and it's all done with cgi it looks kind Which of cartoonish they should have gone to the effort of yeah. doing practical effects for that because v if walking dead can do it you can yep so it says uh loads of people having coming out of what you okay yeah, I'm good. Yeah, okay. Uh, so one person wrote, how the hell is Morbius of 15 and Doctor Strange at 12A? That uh, They have a different rating system mm -hmm. in the UK. It says, just finished watching Do Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and I need a nap. I'm also slightly disturbed at what can pass through as a 12A rating nowadays, but uh, maybe they're, uh, maybe me being a bit of a granny. So that's uh, one, one thing I thought was funny is I went looking for more movies that in the past that have like either gotten PG-13 ratings that people thought should be R- or ones that uh, people thought could have been better if they had been rated R, but they were rated PG-13. And that's a fair big problem in Hollywood. Isn't R so... 17 and over can go, uh, and under can go if they're accompanied by a parent. Correct. But like, the, in order to achieve R, I believe it has to be like gratuitous violence and like, like nudity and sexual content. Uh, language ends up being a bigger factor in a lot of these cases than, uh, and they didn't have any, no, bad no bad language. Like, like I said, movie. like, uh, on TV, like on, like if you're on cable TV, you're allowed like one F word per season. Yeah. Breaking Bad was famous for like always saving their one F word. Uh, but this article is from Variety. It says, what spell did Marvel cast on the MPA for uh, their Doctor Strange 2 to receive a PG-13 rating? And it says, I've never won to strictly follow ratings advice and neither did my parents. And the guy talks about how his first movie was like Revenge of Michael Myers, like Halloween. Mm. Like I'm sure that traumatized him for a bit growing yeah. up. Mm. It says... Um, they basically talk about how people can't really agree on anything. He says, uh, so Marvel's uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, described by Marvel head Kevin Feige as the franchise's first horror film, which received a PG-13 rating despite in intense sequences of violence in action, frightening images, and some language. I think the some language is what kept it from being put over the top as an R rating. And also the limited, there's almost no blood. So there's a lot of violence, but a lot there's, of I don't yeah. remember any, any blood. blood at all. So one yeah. of the ways that they do that is by limiting the blood uh, uh in video games uh, blood is definitely like the the factor that makes it the go to mature so yes if they're cognizant of things like that that's how they can justify a pg-13 i think yep. all of the attacks that i saw them do at least when i was awake during the movie yep. uh were like they just looked like flashing colors and like flashing lights yep. and teleporting and stuff which always feels very uh so they they talk about this here it says uh, it's debatable whether dr strange was strictly a horror film or a superhero film with horror elements which is what it is it's i don't think that's debatable it's it's a superhero film with horror elements uh but with brutal scenes of people getting cut in half shocking jump scares and a sequence that is a terrifying albeit terrific ode to jack nicholson in the shining we can safely classify this entry as the most adult mcu outing to date uh, studio, really? yeah, uh, wow. I would, uh, yeah. It says studios have done their best to avoid R ratings for tentpole films because it limits the audience that's available to it. Uh, Deadpool did it and made like seven hundred million at the box office. Obviously, Joker did an R rating and made a million, a billion dollars at the box office without a China release. But those ones leaned into it v yes. versus this one. It would have been like it, it's just like a happy little coincidence. That it's a little edgy. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that was interesting about this, I think back to um, when the movie Scream came out. 
and basically what happened was is it wasn't necessarily always the violence it's how intensely it's edited so that when the when the movie scream came out uh basically they had to re-edit the intro scene where um casey becker gets hung from a tree uh, and her boyfriend gets gutted and they had to like re-edit it in a way that like they had to add a scene where like where they're uh, where they approach Casey Becker's hanging body from the from a tree. They had nice. to like fast zoom into it and give it almost a more it's not meant to be that way, but it it changes the tempo and that got them through uh, their R rating because otherwise they were going to get an NC-17 rating. And what uh, Wes Craven did when Scream 2 came out uh, because he just couldn't get them to budge on so many of the things. Uh, when Scream 2 came out, he shot it extremely gory in a way that it was never meant to be and then gave them the extremely gory cut. So when they asked for changes, the changes he made were the changes he wanted to make, uh, uh, which got him the R rating he wanted yeah. without, without I mean, question. I think that you can um, edit violence and even like sexually suggestive things uh, in a masked way that yeah. actually comes off as more visceral than just showing everything. The Tarantino cut, I think. Yeah. No, like in, like your imagination is more graphic than what they can show you. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs? No. So that's a classic film, and it's kind of a mobster film. And there's a moment where one guy's in a chair, and they're trying to like intimidate him, and so they cut off his ear. And what what they do is like they they kind of show like the struggle of it, and then they pan out uh, the camera out of frame, and you just like hear it. Oh. So it, it is gruesome in your head because yeah. like you see the initial like force. But it, obviously, they don't show you yeah. like the actual action. And in my opinion, that's like the move for these things, be it sexual or violent. They, they talk about in in uh, the Dark Knight when he when the Joker uh, puts the pencil through the guy's eye. That's all yeah. implied. You you don't see it actually go into the dude's eye. It's a trick of the camera. Same with when he cuts when he puts the knife in the dude's mouth, uh, and then it cuts to off camera and there's a hard sound effect or a, or a hard um yeah percussion from the from the score which is to imply what happened there and that's just because christopher nolan knows what he needs to do and he's an incredible film i think that's enough i yep. think that's enough like you don't need to so yeah like movies that lean into it need to lean into it all the way you can't half step it otherwise it's like you don't know what you want to be they use an example here that i think is really fascinating did either of you you would have been you wouldn't even have been born yet but there's a movie called the good son i'm 32 uh starring macaulay culkin uh, where he plays an emotionally disturbed child. Uh, I don't know if either of you have ever seen it. How hard must no. that have been for him? Yeah, right? yeah, right. That just sounds like the Sixth Sense. Um, but it's uh, he's he's disturbed child trope. So, yeah, well, that's what it is. But in this one, it says uh, they talk about it here. It says the thriller features no nudity, little to any gore, despite a climax where Culkin is dropped off a cliff and lands on a rock, which the audience doesn't ah. see, and his broken body is seen from an unfathomable unfathomable distance away and has the actor dropping his very first don't F with me on film. Uh, the film received an R rating for acts of violence and terror involving a disturbed child that doesn't gel with the process for the young adult franchises like hunger, hunger games where it's literally kids hunting down and killing yeah. other kids. Is that the one where there's but like two all... kids and the one is like a super evil yeah. kid. Yeah. And the, the other one's like the step kid, but yeah. still kind of sweet. Oh mm -hmm. my God. That movie's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a product of its time. Like you're not yeah, going to get yeah. that made today. But no way. They're uh, like actually really young children in that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah the hunger psycho. games is different because they're all like, adults cast vaguely one was a one was a child and that that one's the one that led to the revolt yep so it's it's interesting to me Ruth? that ruth uh i would like to see like there's some really great movies where they talk about movies that either should be should have been rated r 
or you know or would have been better like there's a distinction there like uh is this a movie that was so violent like how did they get away with it and make it pg-13 or are they saying like it would have been better if they had leaned into it uh and done an r rating and one of those examples is of course uh the dark knight there's a lot of people think it would have been better as an r-rated movie i actually disagree no I, I i don't think that one needed to be r-rated at all they talk about um you know what i think it would have taken away from uh heath ledger's performance because it had you focus on the gritty instead of the creepy yeah Yep, Casino Royale, which is a James Bond movie, which was very was pretty violent. Yeah, for, he gets tortured. It's not it's not cartoonish like later installments. Or, it's my favorite one. Yeah, or it's out of all of his movies by by far. All, it's my favorite like Bond film. Really? Yeah, Goldeneye is my favorite Bond film. That's a good one. Go, Goldeneye, solid. Uh, but they they list other ones here. The Force Awakens. What? Like Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Why would that need to be rated R? That doesn't make any sense. Nothing about that movie. Um, Taken. It says a deleted uh, deleted user uh, said, cited Taken as an example of a movie that pushed its PG-13 rating. He said there was an 18 here. I don't really see how you could get past the scene where he where he hooks the guy in the and then maintains electricity. So like where he electrocutes guys. There's and, an auction too. Yeah, like that's like super disturbing. That's yeah, but that that like that's that's when you get into it's not now just it's not just about gore. It's about yeah. what the actual Actual content of the movie is and I would argue, I would think that maybe Mary you would agree that maybe the they get away with more with the themes being bad because people are more focused on the violence being bad but some of these themes are just right. as bad I uh, I agree I mean what bothers me more than anything about Doctor Strange 2 was not anything related to violence it was just that witchcraft is a theme in the movie yeah well, he's a sorcerer yeah. Uh, yeah, like witchcraft is is a major theme of of the plot yep. and that's something that I have a huge problem with. But like now the focus is being shifted to violence. Oh no, like you could see his teeth in his skull or whatever. Like uh you're kind of like focusing on the wrong thing. And like there's a point of contention as to what is appropriate for uh, younger audiences to see these days because mm. children's innocence has been so like warped in, what i think is intentionally targeted uh we're still like in a debate about what is appropriate for them to watch yeah and and one of the, the actually now that i think about it the the scene of him because we just talked about the dark knight the scene of him uh the what's it called again daywalking uh, dead walking, dream walking. Why do we keep forgetting? Jaywalking. This? I'll just call it jaywalking. Jaywalking. It's a, in the alternate the, universe. Narratively, the movie's kind of a mess, so I, I don't yeah. feel like bad about that stuff. But the the way they do his face in that is actually just like how they do uh, Two Faces uh, makeup they, in. Are they trying interesting stuff? Because everyone says like this is such a weird Marvel movie. Is, um, it, is it like even worth like the what the direction they're going? It's not going to be for all the Marvel products uh, from here on out. This is like I said, this is I was always surprised that this movie got made by who it got made by because it's a Sam Raimi movie right. and Marvel tends to hire nowadays. They hire new directors with less clout. He's because, the original Spider-Man. director yes, too, right? Yes. Those were freaking awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, but those why were, did this suck so much? Um, because this wasn't because uh, the he's niche. He's a niche superhero. He's a, well, 
Doctor Strange is like no. Oh, Doctor Strange is. Yeah. I was like Spider Man's niche. No, not no. Spider Man. Like, okay. like what the hell? No, but uh, but Sam Raimi is a niche director in general. And it, uh, what's weird though is he's got know. he's got a big name, and he's got a bigger name than most of the directors that Marvel hires because they prefer to be able to control uh, what gets in, what doesn't get in. And and Doctor Strange had uh, a ton of reshoots, though I wouldn't be able to point out where the movie was such a mess in structure that I wouldn't be able to tell you which ones were obviously reshoots and one, which ones weren't. Have you liked any of them? Like no. any Marvel? Not, not a single no. one. I mean, I, to be fair, I have not seen, like, I would guess 99% of it. But everything I have seen, I found, like, super boring. And I kind of think, uh, in a way, it's, like, too childish for adults. But then like not, not childish dish. enough for children yeah it's it, just teens it, it kind of caters to the uh the the um the trapped adolescence we have yes, in adulthood yes, now. It that's caters what it is to like late millennials yeah. who like talk say the word adulting yeah like <laughs> that's who it's for you know that's funny. that was the last time bill maher was funny when he like derided people for using that term there's a lot of video game ads and like the video game ads now are like remember when you played this as your as a child now you have children they need you to play with them it's like brother no one that's playing this has a girlfriend much, <laughs> much, much less, less a kids. child yeah your children wait what <laughs> it's like that may work like when they advertise sonic the movie those guys might have kids because they're not playing the games now but they're not if they were like play this new sonic game with your kid he probably doesn't have kids he's probably yeah. uh yeah. it's a, so this is where i was talking about about the horror elements and where the uh divert says so dr strange in the mall did dr strange in the multiverse of madness slip one by the ratings board no, likely the violence and horror elements were seen through the lens of being conducted by superheroes and supervillains, which is how parents taking their young children to see the film would likely interpret the images and actions, thereby making it PG-13 inappropriate for audience. That's really interesting because they're making it about how it's interpreted by viewers, not how the MPA interpreted it themselves. Not by objective standards. Yes, yeah. So it's it's literally, they're basically saying it's crapshoot. It could be but whatever you want. But the thing is like, I feel like the easier the public is to shock or scandalize, maybe the better. Like, I don't think we should be less yeah. uh, easy to scandalize. Yeah. You know Only what I mean? if it's tasteful. It says the PG in my opinion. The, the PG-13 rating was, uh, was introduced in 1984 after irate parents received media attention for arguing that Steven Spielberg's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was far too disturbing for its PG rating. So they had to find something between PG and... Are. There's a really disturbing scene in that movie. I've never seen the yeah. movie, but like I, I saw one where it's like this little girl, like you took advantage of me. He's like, you know what you were doing, and yeah. I was like, excuse me. It, it's it was also a weird time. Like if you're like RoboCop was absolutely marketed to kids. There was like RoboCop toys, and RoboCop was famously one of the. It's just an extremely violent movie with lots of drugs and lots of dudes getting their dick shot and yeah, so. Like, it's funny you mentioned that because like so. Well, you, when I hear the, the UK rating system and the US rating system are different, it makes sense because like I hear here like violence and gore is like, ah, you know, yeah. who cares? America should have like, Violence and gore is more part of our real daily lives right. than theirs. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, how, like someone got shot. Like, what is it, a Tuesday? Get <laughs> yeah. out of here. That does feel like something that like that. People, he, I, but I also think that's overdone too. Like people think that we're all like that. That we're no. all just like, like, 
in the UK, I, they, they they're, think we're like they're, They think they are more civilized and they're not. But it is true that, like, violence is more part of our culture. Hey, I am both Hispanic and American, so Violence like, is part of our yeah. birth as, as a nation, yeah. so... I would have to see sense. the stats. I would have to see the stats on just because there's no gun violence in the UK. Do you know? Yeah, they still have like knife violence. That's a huge problem. Like, did you ever see that thing where like the cops are like, we we got we got a big haul, and they like you know normally the cops put the all the cocaine and the guns on there, and it's a bunch of like table like table knives and they stuff. Do acid attacks over there, dude. Yeah. They like throw acid on chicks. Like, yep. It's wild. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, it, I'm sure it's different, and I'm sure it's different in other countries. Like uh, their ratings. I don't know what the rating systems are like in in other other nations, but I'm sure it's just as uh, difficult because different countries have different value systems. Yeah. Maybe they didn't say like tea and crumpets enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say jolly good show. Oi, mate. That's uh, man. We're just. I'm being, a wizard. Oh, we're just being mean to British people now. Why are you guys? Yeah, doing it's Piers Morgan uncensored. Yes, nothing's off limits. <laughs> Nothing is off the table. Uh, poor Pierre. We're gonna, we're gonna. He's gonna be like our enemy forever. I'm here to cancel, hey, hey, cancel culture. Do not forget about Meryl Streep. Yes. Do well, not, do not lose sight of public enemy number one. Everyone. Dane is not a fan of Meryl Streep. I am not. All right. So moving on, we've got a topic that will make everybody happy, and that's Chet Hanks. Yes. Yes? yes. Yes. Okay. More. Chet Hanks defends being an unabashed culture vulture during sit down with. I don't know. How, is it Zwei? Zwei. Zwei. Okay. I, I've never listened to. I believe it's Sue. Is it? I have no, no idea. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my bad. You were looking um, for help, and I was. I was like, I was like looking for help. I was like, I, I've been doing that with a lot of stuff lately. When we're going to talk about Sochi Gomez later, I was like, uh, I, like now that's like part of your job, right? Like you're like, there's like, I wish I could come up with some examples. There's some funny things in my life that I've like pronounced wrong my whole life, and then then like, holy crap! I just don't think pronouncing at somebody's name wrong means that you're insensitive. And, and we'll it's get just that you didn't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to crowded. that later. We will get to that later. Uh, so it says. Chet Hanks is the latest guest to land in the hot seat of the comedian Z-Way, right? Z-Way's eponymous uh, late night variety show on Showtime. By the way, Z-Way, if that is how you pronounce it, I... I I don't mean to be rude. Uh, people, she's watching this right now, pe- just seething. Yes, she's <laughs> angry. During no, his way, no. During his appearance, the uh, during his appearance, the actor wait, the actor turned Instagram menace turned wow. self-proclaimed fitness guru was That's grilled <laughs> about his prominent and consistent identifier of being an unabashed culture vulture. First of all, I mean, that's a lie. What he is is the the patron, the original patron saint, the original, not the current patron Whoa. saint of oh, White Boy Summer. I almost got violent here. Got he vi- has yet to officially bestow that title on you, though, Dane. Do I have no authority over White Boy Summer? You can like, a- just three hundred dollars on cameo. I'm telling you, you we gotta hire exactly him. Exactly what you want. Okay, okay, okay. We gotta hire him for on cameo and have him do it's the. It's kind of weird that they call him a culture vulture when that term in itself kind of implies that the culture you're feeding upon is dead. Not just that, but this is one of those things where I I grew up. Uh, I've been I have done a lot of like look into like people who like I grew up listening to rap music. Right, I'm from the suburbs, and everyone who grew up in the suburbs in the '90s grew up listening to rap music. That was just part of the culture, and but it was a product. It was a mass-produced product that was sold to you uh, by a, an enormous corporation. You know, whether it was uh, All Eyes on Me, two disc set from Tupac, or Life After Death. Uh, the Notorious B.I.G., Mob Deep, all these groups, they're very happy to sell you 
what they make. And the whole idea behind that, at least I'm sure was thought at the time, was that you're integrating cultures together where maybe you don't live the world they lived in, but it helps you understand what their life was a little bit better. And that would be the purpose of it, right? Once again, if if you're claiming otherwise, this is just the phenomenon of like, we can't have any shared human experiences you're not unless you come from exactly the same socioeconomic background racial background even like like family situation everything gangster rap is as american as apple pie absolutely no it it is is like if if, whenever people ask me about uh, there's a whole like subsect of like uh, of like tiktok and instagram of like uh middle-aged uh millennial women who make videos of them like uh reciting gangster rap lines while making dinner to show like the dichotomy of like their life of being like a suburban mom who listened who grew up listening to really violent song lyrics that's a thing and it was but it was never meant like they're like you did it you listen to it ironically it's like maybe that's irony but maybe it's also just the fact that it was cool Right. It felt yeah. cool. And there's no it doesn't need to be deeper than that. Tupac was cool. And like Biggie, why is it not good enough that these people created something cool that was had like mass popularity yeah. and was unanimously shared between people who maybe didn't share the same experiences? Isn't that a good thing? It's my favorite moments in culture all the time. What I it, keep saying. That's know. what like like this is one of it, it frustrates the living hell because they were talking about it on like a, a segment where they're like, uh, is Jack Harlow getting an easy ride in, in the industry because he's white? I'm like, Eminem is still probably considered, if not the greatest rapper of all time, in the top two or three, right? Uh, there was a there was a very funny Chris Rock joke where he talks about the best golfer is black and the best rapper is white. Yeah. Maybe that was the last time we were actually like harmonious as a culture. Uh, Jack Harlow's. But who wants to be the best golfer? You'd much rather be the best rapper. I, I but the golfer he probably Tiger probably made more money at the time. <laughs> like Jack Harlow was getting carried because he's cringe as hell. The uh, she sent me a video the other day of Jack Harlow uh, being carried. Uh, into a building, and then people were Why? making a big deal about it because all the guys, all the like security guards who were carrying him were black, and they were like, "This is weird." Like, well, why was he, he being just carried? Didn't, he didn't he... want his loafers to get scuffed. Are you kidding me? Is that no, the I'm actual? Not the, wow. So, so the the reason that they consider him a culture vulture is because he does the the Jamaican because he rules Patois accent, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it says, are there? So this is from the interview. It says, are there? Uh, the interviewer says, are there any marginalized communities you want to apologize to? Who asked that question in an interview? That's freaking weird, dude. This isn't sixty minutes. This isn't some dude who went out and killed a bunch of people or did something awful. He's just kind of a weirdo who does funny stuff on the internet. Why is he being held to this weird standard that he is some type of like, uh, like they they should shine a light on him? I mean, they should. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's Chet Hanks. It's Chet Hanks. Like He's not the president. And if you like... Okay, let's yes. let, let us yes. yes. Uh let let us take this to its logical conclusion. Do you even does an apology from Chet Hanks even mean anything? Right. Like like in general, when you apologize to these people, anyone who is aggrieved for like really really lame uh modern 2022 reasons, it's never it's not like they're ever like, "Oh, well, thank you. We you are now reintroduced like, back into really society and we really that. appreciate it." No. That's never what happens. They use it against you for the rest of your natural born life because they're evil. And like, 
Chet not apologizing really just shows that he's smarter than real. people realize. Can I say, like, non-ironically, we really like you, Chet Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know it's like, it's like the culture to be ironic and shitty about people. We genuinely like you, and we generally think you rule. I mean, I'm like, kind of being I half. I mean, like, ha -ha I'm not funny jokes, but like, I'm not. We do have respect for yeah. not for not for, bending the knee. Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, transitive property math. Dudes rule. Chet Hanks is a dude. Uh, is a dude. Therefore, thus, <laughs> Chet <laughs> Hanks rules. Yeah. I'm a yes. dude. I want to hang out with Chet Hanks so we can rule. Uh, Gothics posted this video the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, he's kind of become an unsung hero here at the castle." Like he, white boy he, summer hero. White, white boy summer hero. So it says. Uh, he frequently slips into a Jamaican Patois accent, right? That's that how it's pronounced. Uh, for some reason, despite being raised in Los Angeles and the son of Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, declined the offer for repentance. They want that. Did you see that? Repentance. It's a religion, repentance. dude. They don't. They, they believe in original sin. They believe that uh, you have to cast like. Go ahead. Uh, no, go, you, you look like you were going to say something. Think of what they want re repentance for. They want repentance for him thinking that Jamaican culture is cool. Yeah, for, for using an accent. Oh, my God. Is it kind of... Lash me. Is it kind of dorky and cheesy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is it something you should apologize for? Absolutely not. That's insane. He says, no, no, I don't feel like I've truly done anything offensive, so I don't. Hanks only uh, really seems to surface in the public eye after doing something well offensive however there was the threatening declaration last year the summer 21 the threatening declaration that last year the summer of 2021 would be a white boy summer and because these people are kind of racist they they, threatening. they hate they hate that concept they, uh, if they think that is threatening it's just because they can't come up with their own thing yes uh the the kind that featured some odd venn diagram that placed him john b and jack carlo in the overlapping center then there was the loud anti-vax rant he delivered while uh, all the evidence Evidence that we've found recently seems that he seemed to have been on the right track there <laughs> get jack harlow the hell away from my boy yeah for real do not besmirch his brand yep i take offense to that he says when uh when she asked how hank's version of white boy summer is any different from the last 400 summers in american history can you just hear the freaking snark that in her voice so okay. like just like uh, it, it, you, can you hear it? Like, I don't even have to say it in a, I don't even know what she sounds like, but you can hear the snark and disdain. In I her saw the voice. video. She was like, so, so you gonna ask for forgiveness? Uh, he was like, women nah. think that they can just sit there and stare sternly at a man and make him say or do whatever they want. There's a great, and it's time yeah. for like things like this to happen where they realize you can't just like scold someone there, like you're their mommy yeah. and make them say whatever you want. I mean, you can, you just come you off as a You can't compel douche. people to, to bend to your will. There's a really great uh, clip that is, uh, that's always circulating on Instagram of Snoop Dogg at like a radio station. Oh, yeah. An interview, and she's <laughs> like, well, you know, this, this lady's like, is like, you know, with like the last few years with all this like women empowerment, does it make you feel like maybe some of the stuff you did when you were younger? Like, yeah, that was fucked up. Because hell no, that was me. Yeah, like, Fuck these hoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what I said. Like, be you, dude. Like, whether you agree with the person or not, I would rather, I would 110% rather somebody be real and be who who they are then uh be something you know they aren't for the sake of political correctness points and that's not being disrespectful that's him being himself you don't have to interact with that person mm -hmm. if you don't want to and, and we all know the people leaning the furthest into the virtue signaling are actually just bad people yeah because <laughs> they're guilty 
it's a, a lot of this is what I like to call weapons grade projection. Like when 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 they say stuff like this, that's absolutely what it is. There's also this funny article <laughs> where it says, oh, "When defending himself from allegations in a new interview, the son of A-listers Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson describes his critics as social justice warriors. He talks about how." Uh, uh, he receives love from Jamaicans despite cultural appropriation backlash over accent. The same thing happened with um, Aquafina. Uh, do you guys know who Aquafina is? Oh yeah, that chick the, from the, Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, she's she was oh, in Shang Chi. She's a ra- she was like a rapper on YouTube. They call it they call it her doing a black scent mm-hmm. because of the way she talks. Uh, wouldn't that theoretically be just as much to do with where you grew up? as necessarily who you're modeling it after but she basically she even apologized she gave like a non-apology apology where she talks about like uh see if you can look that up uh, see if you can look up like uh aquafina apologizes for um for accent being but they call it cultural appropriation uh and like what does that even mean like aquafina takes to twitter to give a non-apology for building career of cultural appropriation go ahead and read it um uh, it's really funny it's like it's the most like you can literally hear her like publicist getting paid as you read this like there's no way she wrote it um i'm looking for it so give me a sec yeah so it says uh the 31 year old reacted to the criticism when speaking on channel 5 with andrew callahan he first explained i was hooking up with this chick one day she was on the phone with her family in jamaica and she uh and she was really in the middle of a heated conversation i really had no idea what the f she was saying i'm just like wow so break that down the son of tom hanks and rita wilson continue recalling she was telling me how uh, how to say different stuff different stuff for a week i was really a, on a jamaican tip and that just happened to be the week of the golden globes so it's like this is literally what they're talking about when we talk about cultures mixing so he's with someone uh with jamaican family who's talking to him and explaining this stuff to him so it's kind of seeping into his language i don't know if you guys have uh traveled outside the country but when i've i've been to the uk i've been to uh spain like when i came back from the uk you can already start hearing it in your voice if you're around it for long enough it goes away fairly quickly unless you stay but if you listen to certain actors like uh, Gillian Anderson her accent or Angelina Jolie their accents are all over the place based on you know time they spent in other countries right when when someone from Jamaica comes to America and starts sounding more like an American they no one assumes that they're putting on an American accent exactly we assume actually it's telling that we assume this we assume that their Jamaican accent is getting diluted into some kind of nothingness yeah I think I found the quote. Okay. There is a social political context to everything, especially the historic context of the African-American community in this country, she wrote. It is a group that is disproportionately affected by the institutionalized policies and law enforcement policies, all while having historically and routinely seen their culture stolen, exploited, and appropriated by the dominant culture for monetary gains without any acknowledgement nor respect for the for where those roots come from the pioneers of its beginnings and the artists that were perfected that perfected and mastered the craft it's like she's just giving you a little history lesson so if if the it was for uh, whose monetary gain i asked did the more. artist not make any money i think there's one more yeah, in line sorry as a non-black poc i stand by the fact that uh, sorry i stand by the fact that i will always listen and work tirelessly to understand the history and context of AAVE. Uh, I don't know what that means. What that's is de- an acronym for Ebonics, but I forget what it is. Um, I'll look it up later. What is deemed appropriate or backwards towards any progress of any and every marginalized group. 
So basically, stay in your lane is what they're saying. Uh, I disagree that yes, the 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 studio executives who sold the those movies uh, that uh, were based on on black culture and the ones that made uh, music based on black culture made a ton of money, but the artists made money too, and that's how you integrate into culture. Right. Okay. A, by the way, A A V E is African American Vernacular English. Yeah. So so but it's like. If anyone can speak that way and grow up speaking that way, it doesn't actually belong to only certain people. And it's it's just, to me it's just boggles me. It's like I don't know what the logical conclusion of what they want is. Submission. In these cases. It's only but submission. Like reeling it back to to Chet Hanks. Like obviously you can't get a Jamaican accent in a week, but like. This dude is just, he's a, just a silly, goofy guy. Yeah. Like, let him be him. Yep. They, they don't understand that you can just, like, it's not going to kill you to not make this guy's life miserable because he went viral and you disagree with him. Just leave it be. Right. By the way, as a guy who's brought American girls to my Hispanic family, like, when, when my exes, like, would make the effort, you know, of, like, speaking the language and saying things in, like, the Caribbean flavor... Mm -hmm. my family would be ecstatic like like overjoyed whereas here like trying to know to like respect like everyone's cultural flavor is seen like an offense uh like this is such a distortion of reality it's also it's like when when people say the the cultural melting pot here is a lie it's actually um a bunch of separate ingredients that are kept uh, apart on a table a quilt and, yeah it's it's right. not actually um it's not actually a melting pot which is a to me, honestly, a huge shame, and that bothers the hell out of me because uh, I love the idea of of that notion when it works, but it's like they don't want it to, right? And I would ask, like, if you're speaking English, English is derived from where? Like, are they culturally appropriating the English language, which came from someplace else entirely? Like, yeah. at a certain point. I mean, this is just like the story of all cultures. Everything is like it, when they go out to eat at night. If she eats, uh, if she eats Chinese food, is she appropriating Chinese culture by eating Chinese food? But Lisa's dying off, man. Like uh, in in no other time but today. Like when this came up, you would be like, oh, you know what? I'm I got I apologize to every Jamaican and like to every whatever and that you just like apologize and bend down and you still get the hit piece written about you. Here he's there. He's getting chastised in public. He's like, nah. Mm -hmm. Nah, so it's like it's the beginning of the indications that like it's over like this the whole little culture about like repentance is over yeah. and that is why i originally liked about white boy summer and <laughs> thus decided to become the patron saint of it <laughs> because it is a moment of levity that it's the only moment where it's like somewhat non-pc and it got like a general pass from people yeah and when the initial hit pieces began everyone was like dude relax so I, I do think, non-ironically, it was kind of a watershed moment for the vibes. So Yeah, I under the YouTube video of this uh, interview, everyone was saying, like, this is Chet Hanks laying out the blueprint for other celebrities, how they should respond when yep. they keep getting these accusations thrown at them. The hit piece is still going to get written about you. Yeah. It does not matter. Your apology does not like matter not to them. At right. the level of a footnote. It's <laughs> Chet Hanks. He if if it ends up being that Chet Hanks is the one who saves western civilization, it's it will be starting the greatest to look like that. It will be the greatest story happening. ever told. <laughs> that uh, Tom Hanks and the best part will be it will be narrated by Tom Hanks. 
like the like the was like the Simpson the Simpsons thing where he like uh, Tom Hanks uh, na- he narrates all the important moments in American history. We could probably get Morgan Freeman for this uh, one. We get yeah. So we get Morgan Freeman to uh, and Denzel Washington to play his best friend, uh, and they just freaking and they bring everyone together with Chet Hanks and Tom Hanks, and they go on like a. a a cross-country road trip saving the world, uh, saving Western civilization. Here's the most important thing. She says, do you want to apologize? He thinks about it, says no. <laughs> She's shocked, asks again, because, like, obviously, like, zero one, yep. are you triggered? So, like, her programming, like, reignites again. And he's like, no. It- and then what does she do? Nothing, because there's nothing you can do if I'm not sorry for it. And I also love the fact that they're so used to to getting their way in these yeah. situations right. that the fact that he didn't comply. The way she just stared blankly at him is so telling. She's like, she I really lost half an hour. That was gonna work. Yeah, that it's, it boggles my mind that they actually think that, like, or that it's just never going to end. Like they're so used to getting their way that uh, they they kind of their brain shuts down when they mm-hmm. don't when it doesn't happen. So, is there another example you guys can think of of somebody else who's done this recently who's been good about not not been Dave Chappelle. He he's kind it's of a little bit of a different situation. Yeah, but. I, I don't know because like I feel like Chet Hanks is getting completely unscathed. Like um, you know, like Chappelle like pisses some people off like bad bad, but like he he's like also hitting a different hornet's nest. But Chet yeah. Hanks is like. I don't know. There's something innocent about Chet Hanks's a lot about of it. what's uh, like like with Dave Chappelle. There's a lot of pol- political implications. Uh, there's the financial aspects. I think he's making money off. Chet Hanks looks like he just wants to live his life, and they won't let him live his life. Here's what Silly I think: like he, he's not a product as much as he is a man. Yeah. Right. And with other people, like his brother is a product. He's like a you know like Academy Award nominated actor. <laughs> and so like when with he, Meryl Streep. Oh, Christ. So, like, if he gets asked about, like, the little tinkses, he has to be like, of course, I'll never have a burrito again. And, like, (laughs) and Chet Hanks is like, nah, because he's a dude, and dudes rule. Uh, He needs to come on the show. For real. What did you say? Dudes, dudes what? So, okay, dudes rule. Source. Source, bro. I'll I'll send it later. Okay. Chet Hanks is a dude, thus... Chet Hanks rules. Okay, perfect. That's the the logic is infallible. That's all we need. The the logic is infallible. Irrefutable fact. Yes. All right. Phil, uh, so this is from uh, Film Thread is a really good uh, channel on YouTube. I, I mean, you guys aren't really film nerds like me, so maybe it's not something you guys would check out on a regular basis. But, I took a film course. It ruined, uh, it ruined every movie like ever since. Uh, it makes it hard to to watch things when you start looking at it from yeah. an analytical perspective. But this says, uh, so Chris Gore explains why movie franchises fail when they are made by studio committee. And he is absolutely right. Me and Dane have been talking about this quite. <laughs> yes, Dane, take your uh, meet. We could take our victory lap right now. He just gets up and runs through. It says, uh, film critic and pundit Chris Gore has made his point about what is wrong with Hollywood and cinema a few times already. But he has more left to say. Speaking once again with YouTube's Film Courage, Gore returned to the hot seat to explain why... Uh, did I say Film Threat earlier? Yeah, so yeah, so he, f- he founded Film Threat, but he did this interview on Film Courage, which are both good channels. Uh, so it says, uh, Speaking once again with YouTube's Film Courage, Gore returned to the hot seat to explain why the franchises fail nowadays, and, and the answer isn't all that surprising. He says, uh, The big studios can't make good, good films or franchises under the current factory filmmaking conditions that stifle individual creative visions. 
Uh, do you think that this is accurate about uh, individ the individualized aspect of it? Yeah. What part about it do you think that gets lost the most in translation? Wow. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, the like the soul. Yeah. Like uh, the, the general, like this is the the feeling. I, I really don't know how to explain it. So like in, in video games, uh, when it's typically from video games to movies, what gets lost a lot, a lot, a lot is camaraderie. Yeah. Like synergy amongst voice actors, amongst characters, and how uh, game elevates add to the characterization okay. of the character in the movie. Because in video games, you play the character and you're like, oh, he's kind of like this because I'm using it and moving him. And I know yeah. how I know how he is because I am him. And you probably develop a closer relationship with the character that way, right? Right. And, and absolutely. And you have your favorites because this is my go-to guy, right? Or gal. And so when you don't have that and when you don't have, you know, like something that represents... Like a little, like a little moment that every player or person stumbles upon. By the way, I know this isn't just for video game movies. No, but it just it what he's saying just like sticks in my mind perfectly. Of because what he's talking about is like when you don't. What we always talk about is actually like when you don't pay attention to the source material because like the marketing guy got a. Uh, Got in there. He's like, hey, guys, you know what? We got a sponsorship with Outback Steakhouse, so we need Doctor Strange to be like, in order to perform the spells, I need a loaded baked potato from yeah. Outback Steakhouse. Ooh. <laughs> and it's like, what? And, and you get out of the scene. Uh, one of the most interesting parts about it is, is I think that the individualized aspect of it has more to do with the fact that when you're an individual creating something, you're limitless in your beliefs. Whereas when you're a studio and a committee designing something, you're all about um, the requirements and the things that's in the setbacks, right? And there's a line in, in the article that's really good. It's about like, so usually like these moments of magic comes from like, one person has a vision yeah and then he shares it and the vision is so good that the other people are like oh what if this happens yeah that makes sense what if this guy then does this see like the the one vision it came from a person and then you realize it's good because it's vibing with everyone else and that's that that's what movies by committees doesn't have it's just like everyone's little take it's how like, large are these committees of people who are screenwriting like i i asked earlier of you guys like how many people do you think should be involved in writing a film tv shows have a whole writer's room to work on stuff but with movies uh between script writer uh doctor re you know and then you get rewrites and then you have people who like there's literally people who are paid to touch up scripts uh you can have anywhere from two to six to maybe more people involved right uh on the high end but that's not where i see the problem with this my my i think of it as it's not about the the two people writing it's about the handcuffs that are put on them right. as they write okay so it's not about whether whether two people can come up with a cohesive vision it's whether the two people who come up with the cohesive vision meet all of the check mark boxes that they need to uh check off along the way so it can't just be a good movie it has to be a good movie that sells in a specific countries so do if you it, mean like quotas and messaging and not just quotas, being marketable enough yeah to, so so if you're making it uh, back in the day when he's making this movie it's made for an american audience for the most part right it goes global but the focus is here in america if you're making a movie now you have to uh, you have to figure out whose sensibilities in other countries right. you're going to offend whose sensibilities in this country you're going to offend will it be marketable to children will the children be able to buy toys related 
into it? Does the toy company have a specific type of option? And all of that is before the movie's even done and written. And, and it's crazy because, like, so villains are supposed to be bad. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So imagine in your movie, there, there's like a moment where it would make sense for the villain to strike like an elderly man. Yeah. That's like super looked down upon on every culture. But let's say like some cultures look down upon that even more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we're not going to target that. We're not going to do that because like we don't want to offend people over here. Yeah. Don't you get that what you're actually doing is like by ha by adding that scene that you would otherwise take, you're characterizing the person and making him even more impactful in yep. a culture where, where that is impactful. Like you, you're strongly characterizing like the, the evil in us is even if we don't want to look at it it's still within us and like to look at it through art and analyze it through art it lets us like reinterpret ourselves and like reinterpret like us the species itself and like that's what that's what i'm saying like like these censors and these like marketers and lit litigious people they're taking away the humanity from us like even villains are like you basically are, are the Hamburglar from McDonald's. You're harmless, you know? Yep. Yeah, you're not allowed. It's always cartoonish and it's always... Um, uh, or now it's... Like, actually, to me, most of the problem is like on TV, it's always the most cartoonishly like low stakes things that people are getting in trouble for in right. television series, series and movies. And in these ones, it's always cartoonish and over the top. But it's supposed to be for the most part. But my problem here is more with... Uh, it says uh, they talk about the the commercialization of these properties. Tim Burton getting in trouble because of the bat uh, of Batman Returns. Uh, it says uh, whether what why okay so it says he uh, the conditions for which content is made at those corporations are not conducive to a singular creative voice. It's art by committee, which means it loses its soul instantly. Uh, this phenomenon has played out routinely over the years and sometimes drags corporations outside of the film industry into the process, mostly when they partner in promotion. How many times have you seen like a new movie coming out or a good example would be Halo being put on Mountain Dew cans? Mm. Remember, like they have like their game, game fuel, uh, stuff like that. So uh, it says McDonald's, for instance, bolstered Batman Returns with an ad campaign in tie-in products, Happy Meal toys, collector cups, the usual, until they found out how dark the film was. He, Tim Burton, gotten famously in trouble with the sequel to his 1989 film because the original one was more kid-friendly. The second one was far less kid-friendly, but they made toys for it, which meant that it was at odds with its marketing campaign. And I still have some. I think I still probably have some of those <laughs> McDonald's toys with uh from the from batman returns but it's like think about uh people are expecting I, I read articles we're reading articles all day long they're like this is the darkest mcu thing yet and i'm like yeah but i'm still gonna go to target later and there's still gonna be a toy section full of marvel characters so i know that it's not that dark i mean i think that the root of the problem here is actually just that people are easy to please now yeah. and they go to a movie to sit in a dark room and not think. Yeah. Not to actually pay attention to what's in front of them and appreciate a piece of art. They're coming to mindlessly consume. But I want I want escapist entertainment to be done. That's but not it has what to I mean. be done I well. Mean, it, that that still qualifies as entertainment, yeah. not just I'm going to sit in a comfy chair in a dark room and, and not think. Take whatever Marvel shoves down my face. Yeah. A good example of it working well is John Wick, 
being coming out in 2014, well into a period where large budget movies were starting to be made by committee already. But it was the brainchild of Chad Stahelski. Uh, I forget the other guy's name. Who was like a they were like stunt coordinators before they became directors. So it's this guy's vision of what a great action movie will look like because his background is in doing and directing action scenes. So the movie is violent, over the top, but the story is really simple. Because it, he's not like necessarily the biggest writer, you know, it wasn't necessarily the craziest writer-director combo, you know, that you're looking for highbrow entertainment. You're looking for a movie where Keanu Reeves goes around and makes uh, headshots from impossible distances. The last time I mentioned this, he goes, he could actually make all those headshots. I'm like, some of those distances were pretty far, dude. So the, you're, that's, a, that's a much smaller creative team that created something that's been very impactful in the movie industry in the last 10 years. Here's what I think would be a good compromise. So you get, let's say you get like six to eight uh, writers. Mm -hmm. There's like the director, the main writer, and like four other complementary writers, let's say. As well, I think you should add a lawyer that is not a freaking square and a marketing person, perhaps two that are not freaking squares. And what that would add is that if it's just creatives, creatives are going to be creatives. You need some like litigious people marketing and uh, lawyers that are they have that litigiousness but are also like creative focused so that <coughs> when they have like a really really incredible idea that they've really baked into the cake and it's like a center part of the whole thing you gotta make sure that you have the guy that's thinking they're like a suit and that's like no i don't know if that's too much i don't know if like the the money is gonna not gonna like it and we're gonna have to pull it like they have those conversations while they're writing and so like if they have to adapt something like they can do it then because usually uh, like what i'm imagining what happens is like they shoot it they write it they have this great thing it's like yeah uh remove the heart and soul of the movie and put a latinx and it's like what dude it's like about magic and cheeseburgers i like how you turned latinx into just a general term that, that means anything <laughs> well uh, i mean people will be sold anything yep. that's why they can do that i disagree like that i think that's why there's so many podcasts is because like people's palettes are starting to be like custom made and they're trying to do this like hey everyone has a custom taste let's Let's so let's add a little bit of everything, and it's this disgusting yeah, dish the, with like flavors that none of them complement each other. When it's like because because the argument will always be like when you make your movie, they'll be like, well, why wasn't there more of this? And you and then you're expected to bend the knee and say, yes, I should have done that. When when you should what you should have said is that's not the story I'm telling right now. Right, like, whatever it is that you think should have been in there, there's not enough of this type of character. There's not enough of this uh, uh, of people from this group. There's not enough of this type of storytelling. You say, look, that. We, we're literally drowning in entertainment content right now. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, uh, all these streaming services. Uh, uh, what are the other ones? There's Paramount Plus. There's Peacock. There's literally endless choices right now. There's Timcast.com where you can you're, subscribe. You're drowning in content. Not every story needs to fit everybody's sensibility. Otherwise, you get watered down, boilerplate basic stuff that offends nobody but pleases nobody and it, it's either not even that uh you would ideally love to include all of these different like you know check boxes check boxes yeah. in your film and, but you can't unfortunately pragmatically no like the ideal thing is to focus on that story yeah i, I have a question what's the iconic movie of 2010 uh exactly i have no idea exactly there isn't one 
I'm sure there is. What's the iconic movie of 2000s? I can say several. Memento, great movie, legendary movie. Of, I mean, wait, of the 2010s or no? Th so I said Avengers would be the uh, 2010s, yeah, probably as far that, as society. Imagine, yeah. Ima Im imagine comparing that to like earlier cinema. Mm -hmm. Compare that to The Godfather. Yeah, you know, compare that to Memento. Yeah, that's but that's saying, like just, we're losing it. It's that's the relaunch relaunch of blockbuster movies. There have been so many movies. There have been great movies that have come out in that time period. It's just a great example he gives here is Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve, who are both people who have found a way to be both creatively. Uh, gifted while working with inside the studio structure with Chris, Christopher Nolan. It's like Interstellar or Inception. Uh, he gets to tell his unique story ideas while working within the framework of big studio politics, right? Denis Villeneuve made Sicario, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he's the guy who did Dune last year, which... Uh, managed to uh be all the big budget studio thing that they wanted while still being slow and overly artsy in my opinion it was not his best work but he also did blade runner 2049 which a lot even though it made like no money a lot of people consider to be a very rare example of uh like a sequel being made like 30 years later and actually uh holding down the spirit of its predecessor right so there's a few directors who have that ability uh, but then you get your uh jj abrams who can't really do it well i mean he, he's uh he doesn't really have that ability in my opinion to to bring these things back to life he does better with his original properties but his star trek stuff his uh star wars stuff especially all are kind of soulless empty and like they bring him in to make the soulless empty stuff the we're star talking trek about right movies now. are a trillion times better than Star Wars. But I'm but his star but he's done both now. He's done Star Trek and I he's know. done Star Wars. And his Star Wars, they literally brought him in to make the most boilerplate basic movie ever because everyone was so pissed with how The Last Jedi turned out. I'm ancient legendary walkout of films guy. Yeah. Like I do not care. Like I spend money for this. It wasn't worth my money. I'm not gonna lose my time too. And like I'm telling you that first star wars movie that was essentially a, a remake, just of, the a last remake of, a, of new hope was like the biggest insult i've ever seen for any community and it honestly showed the iq of these people because it was like goddamn abysmal i'm sorry star wars fans that you know like write me some hate comments in the i'm sure that the star wars fans didn't like it either. yeah you're you're thinking more of the subsect of weirdos who like the last jedi who <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, uh, there, there's some of you that are really hurt and like need need a hug and thought that movie was a movie. Yep. And I had nothing for you. Nothing. He he mentions how he thinks that filmmakers no longer have to just be filmmakers. They have to be financiers. They have yeah. to be diplomats to other countries. They have to be able to be special envoys to communities they're not part of. And that's too much when your job is just to be creative. Uh, but that's the world we live in now. And I think a part of that is the problem is just you're we're too connected. To the world around us meaning like back in the day you make a movie uh that you believe is subversive and it's got some unique elements that might make people angry well they gotta send you snail mail that gets there five days later with their letter writing campaign about why they're pissed at or you. they have to come up to you face to face and say what they think which no one wants to do anymore no they do not so it's like now uh these companies get five to ten messages on twitter about why they're pissed about something uh and, and then all of the baby boomer executives are like oh 
this no. is an emergency situation, Code Red. And, and Basically. They, and they don't realize. They don't understand what the internet is. No, or the, just the scope. They don't of, know it's actually just 10 accounts run by one person. Or even if it's 10 people, that's nothing in the even grand if scheme it is, of things. Yeah. That's nothing in the grand scheme of things. So Crash uh, the economy. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, so I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of it is also CGI is why we don't connect with movies anymore. We were talking yes. about that the other day. That, uh, I'm the, over it. The, um, your brain just literally doesn't process it. In fact, we had this. It says uh, they talk about this here about the science of getting it wrong. This is only tangentially connected here. But they talk about how your brain does not connect to CG imagery the way it does to practical imagery, which makes the movie that's already written to be empty-ish uh, and by committee feel even more empty than it already right. does. Which was exactly what Doctor Strange got wrong in my opinion exactly. the only time that they should be using cgi is uh at a time when you will not notice that they're using it i yeah. think you already described it perfectly a couple of episodes ago it's that you know like where where's the meat like where's the meaning where's the acting like you you have to watch every movie like skeptically yeah you you gotta be like it's coming it's like the virtue signal is coming like it's, if they're, it's they're worse gonna say, in network tv it's so bad in network tv like it used to be my haven like really really generic by the book uh for like old boomer cop shows and they're so bad now like because they were they tended to be seemingly written by older people who would have more uh they they could work within that story structure so you the the message could be hidden better uh you know or it felt more part of the entertainment which i liked like you can tell all you can give me all the messaging you want but you have to find a way to do it that works within the context of the story now it feels like they've got this influx of new writers and, and they didn't get the memo on how to be subtle and it's so bad now dude like i'm telling you like like it, they just in modern theme they just do it in any like tasteless way like you'll have a scene where a cop's pulling someone over and he's like sir do you know why i pulled you over those are not my pronouns and like that'll be the scene like like they sneak it up when you don't think of it yeah. and it's like god like now really and they think that you're just gonna overlook it yeah like oh most people do why didn't um, you ask the pronouns so this is uh, if we're talking about film by committee and film by corporation it says black panther was released during black history month captain marvel was released on international women's day multiverse of madness was released mother's day weekend it also uh, is the acronym is M O M. Yes. Whoa. So if you want, like, no, no, I, I'm saying, but, but I'm saying, like, seriously, like, you have to think about this, like, like, galaxy brained so Marvel. They're in the, say, they're writing Black Panther, right? And they've got this great idea. They want to get into production right away. Uh, and they're like, they're getting close to being done filming, right? And he's like, oh, maybe we need like a month more to, to do these to get a couple more shots of this we need reshoots to really make this movie what ryan coogler wants this movie to be and marvel goes sorry we need it out in february so you don't get those that's exactly the problem here that's what's that's literally the perfect i mean i don't know if that actually happened on the film but i'm saying that's the type of thing that's only only a corporation could do that and he's got no way to to go against them with games to be fair to them it it works like Man. people ate those movies maybe up. in movies but at games it's getting so bad where they're like hey we're we we need a summer launch i don't care if we just have a title screen with no game yeah make him pay 60 dollars and the game is coming in dlc and they can pay 15 dollars for that like i'm t- like street fighter 5 the worst game in human history was exactly that it was a game 
that literally it made so many promises of what it was. I know Dane like redirected the conversation about how much he hates <laughs> Street Fighter Five again. You know what? I hate Meryl Streep too. Okay, so there's a classic. <laughs> but like they they just keep like media companies keep doing this where they send the unfinished product and it's like, well, why aren't you grateful enough? Because yep. you didn't give me what I paid for. Yes, they're also very offended when you don't just take whatever they're selling you yeah. and, and gobble it up uh, without complaint. Yeah, it's an empty box. What of it? Yep. Like, what do you mean, what of it? So, uh, it's a, I don't know if there's a way to, like, I'd like to close this out with, like, a, is there a way to fix this? But I don't think with the way society is moving, I don't think there's a way you get away from this in, in the industry. We're getting dumber and easier to please, and we're just expected to take our gruel. Only, uh, only white boy Summer can save us. <laughs> Only Chet Hanks can save us. Make him the arbit make him the film czar. Like I want him <laughs> running the industry. That's what I want. Let's at least try, guys. We can we can do this. All right. Let's make a change.org petition. <laughs> Cuz you know it works every single time. Not that. Not that. <laughs> yeah. Change.org petitions always works. All right. So, fans defend Doctor Strange 2 star Sochi Gomez uh against those making fun of her name now this is one of those things where i this happens a lot where people like look if you look at the world from like a critical lens and everything is offensive yes uh my last name is dasovic and if every time a person who called my house mispronounced dasovic was to be like offensive to me and make me angry i would have had a heart attack many many lifetimes ago wow i, I was under the impression this whole time that your name was branthovic it's that's my other name that's, that's crazy yes uh <laughs> so it says sochi gomez has just made her mcu debut in doctor strange in the multiverse of badness the young actor has brought uh there they are with the remember they don't use the term actress anymore Actor. The young actor. Oh, yep. uh, so it says has brought because America the male term is the gender neutral term. Yes, As we know. Uh, has brought to America Chavez to life, holding her own in scenes opposite stars like Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen. I would argue that she has potential as an actress, but the writing that they gave her in this movie just was she not. She didn't blow it out of the water. But it was. I, I don't think that's necessarily her fault in this case it, no. the material wasn't there for her uh but with fame and uh but with fame uh with fame comes uh haters uh inevitably comes haters uh with many stooping to making fun of her first name which is of course low iq a low iq thing to do it says uh sochi uh so yeah it says, so it's spelled if you guys are listening it's the name is actually spelled x-o-c-h-i-t-l it's actually a beautiful name uh, pronounce Sochi. They put Sochil in here, but I've never seen it. Everyone that I listened to didn't pronounce an L at the end. So if I'm getting that wrong, I could be getting that wrong, but I'm not doing so on purpose. So I apologize. But I was always heard it pronounced as Sochi. So, th so that's taken from uh, Aztec or Mexicano, a language spoken in central Mexico. The name literally means flower, but Sochi is also a day uh, in the sacred Aztec calendar set aside for reflection, creation, and pleasure. There's a lot of indigenous pride in this, so those on social media are kicking back, back against mockery. For example, one points out the double standard of accepting a name like Schwarzenegger and not Sochi. Uh, that's not because it's easy to pronounce. That's because he's been a household name for like 50,000 years. The language of this isn't accepting a name like Schwarzenegger. It's just hearing it so many times that of course you know how to say it yeah but it says uh bring... otherwise no one would know how to say it this says bring able i think they mean being able to pronounce schwarzenegger and not having a mental breakdown at the name and having a mental breakdown at the name sochi seems racist again if every problem you have is an if all you have is a hammer every problem has to be a nail right is the are the it's only crazy that all the tweets they're showing are railing against people making fun of her name but no examples of people 
exactly. actually making fun of her name. Yep. Are the only people that are capable of writing and reading anymore just like triggered losers? Kind of. Every this is single, why I'm saying mass literacy is the problem. Every single article <laughs> is like... These people should not know how to read. Clap back queen like energy. Yeah. Every single article. Yep. That's, and she, the you, printing press was so clapback queen energy. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> First uh, of all, yas. Second of all, nas. So it says, Sochi's name is so beautiful and stands for so much. Don't ever come for, uh, come for or her name. I think they mean for her or her name. You shouldn't. You shouldn't come for her name. But it's like, why is this a discussion? Why? I saw absolutely okay, Emily, no one making I, fun of her name online. I am, I am so effing serious. Don't make fun of Sochi Gomez's name. I don't think y'all realize it's xenophobic. No, it's not. It's just... like, Is that xenophobic to, to not be able to pronounce my name? Yes. Yes. No? Yes? No? You're, you're the Latina. Well, so yeah. yeah, you're... As the comments say, bread is the spicy Latinx. That is, that is mean. So. It says, I love Sochi's name. Sounds cool. And it begins with X. I like that person. That's like the code. Like, it starts like, with X. It starts with an X. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah. I'm here for it. It says, uh, it was, it was funny in Gomez's common. Uh, Sochi is uncommon. Sochi is a very common name in Mexico, Latin America. Shut the F up. Okay. I, I love the, I love the, the, the sarcastic hearts face at the end there. It's the, just like, this, this is, is the, this is what we need to realize. These are like all sixteen-year-old girls. Yep. No, but it's like why um, are we listening to that? You don't know that you should hurt yourself. And it's like, are you? Yep. Why not just give me the information? And now I know because they they can't miss an opportunity for snark. It's incredible. It's it's all they want. They they need to the snark. There's nothing exceptional about these people. Yeah, Elon Senpai fakes this. If they yeah. have to lord something over other people, it will be this. It uh, it it boggles my mind that people have that much time on their hands. But you know, they, like you said, they're probably teenagers complaining about this stuff. But it, it is weird to me that the things always go back to to racism and sexism when it comes to not being able to pronounce the name. Not we should labor under the assumption, at least in my opinion, that people mean well. Like in these situations, no, but we know that they don't. Not that I'm saying if somebody mispronounces a name, sure, yeah. you should operate under the impression that they didn't mean to harm you. Yeah, but that at this point, like intentions don't matter. Yeah. Only yeah. your w the appearance of your action and then the intentions that they project onto it after the fact are what matters. Yeah. So it's uh, it says on this one it says uh, when they called it xenophobic the people were the people responded says her name is so pretty pretty too and making fun of a Mexican native name is so not okay. Uh, Again, where was anyone making fun of it? Yeah, it says, haven't seen a single tweet. There's one it says making but, fun of her name. It says but it ain't said shit about Benedict Cumberbatch's name. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch's name is kind of just weird looking and long but not hard to pronounce yeah he's and it says but i still ironically call him bendy hort crunchy punch <laughs> and whatever other combinations that there's like yeah like you come up with names for for certain people so it says uh like if people were like oh i don't know his name i call him danesy wainsy i, I would have be like oh my god Dane, how could you not call me Dane? you guys like i'd be like haha daisy wainsy lol exactly like, so i i what are know. these people it says uh, it's just weird to me that people care that much about stuff well, like again, this. Well, again, like, if there is nothing, if there's absolutely nothing exceptional about you... Which there isn't. Then <laughs> you have to lord over other people that you are more aware. Yeah. That you, you know more about 
uh, social issues and you're more empathetic than they, everyone else. They've wow. literally turned empathy into like a, into like a, ga like a, a game you can win. Like I'm the most empathetic. Right. I'm the most caring. Uh, I'm not going to say and the word. These are the, <laughs> these are the rudest bitches that you know in real life. Yeah, for real. So yeah, uh, it's it's the it's the meme. It's like anybody who puts be kind in their profile is literally the least kind person you've ever met in your entire life. I'm yeah. telling you, these are the ancestors. These are the descendants of the people who are against the civil rights movement. <laughs> and like now, the their shitty negative energy can be focused in this direction, yeah. and they and they get like uh, like people's adoration as well. You know, the, their lizard brains are like absolutely all the way. <laughs> yep. So I, I just think that we should maybe move on and, and uh, maybe not hold it against people who for like the best example is like nobody were, was insulting their name. They're just making a post I about it. I saw absolutely no. So it was just, so it was just virtue signaling. Name. So it's just virtue signaling. So they have un, uh, they've um, unfairly made me clickbait based on the headline yeah. because now I'm angry. You play yourself. Now, I played myself. <laughs> All right, so I found this study. It says, for, women's ma for women making music, objectification in social media abuses persist. It's a study. Get out uh, of town. It's, uh, I was like, literally, the funny thing about this was, is like, I looked at this, right? Like, this article, and then I was like, looking for supplemental articles, and the first thing that came up was like a Cardi B or like a Megan Thee Stallion like thing on TMZ, and it's like the most like not pc pose you've ever seen somebody posing like well they kind of you know they they the the ones who uh, are uh making the most money lean into it right that's it's part of uh of the process in the in the music industry almost more so than movies i think for female pop stars yes I, no i <laughs> they lean into it as uh and it it's framed as empowerment because it's your choice it's not being imposed on you, but that's really just tricking yourself. It's, it's, I mean, you think that they're, that they're, that they're kind of, um, you're again, rationalizing as I said themselves. with like what Cardi B was saying about how, like in a second she would, uh, snap her fingers and go back to being a stripper yeah. because she loved it like so much more than being in the public eye. But like, no, you just switched out. Uh, one form of being dehumanized on a daily basis for another form of that that's more lucrative. In competitive, there's like a term. It's called meta. It means most effective tactic available. And so the most effective tactic available for these people is to be incredibly provocative yep. while pretending they're not doing that. But have they that's tried the something else? I'm sure that they could try something else and it would be more... There is compelling to but people. is it as effective because like so with the visual na naturally you got like a very sexual very forward visual and so some people will have the proclivity to respond to that so you're getting the benefits of like the drawing the eyes from the sexual provocativeness and you're also getting the benefit of browning points for insulting them for acknowledging the sexualness yep. thus the meta the most effective tactic available yep. comes into effect it's a twofer. Uh, what's interesting here is that to me, 
uh, I think that they're absolutely right that this is absolutely what's going on, but people are going to be tempted to be like pushed back and be like, look, it's your choice. But it doesn't mean it's not happening in the industry. Uh, but if it's the easiest route forward to make the most amount of money, is that hard to believe? No, it's not at all. It says, uh, so it says, according to the study, the greatest growing challenge this past year was criticism and abuse on social media platforms, which 29% of respondents said worsened for them. So that seems like more than the objectification is just when you put yourself out there in a very public way, you're opening yourself up to a plethora of criticism that you may not be able to take, right? Mm -hmm. Like, especially when it incites vitriol in people. Uh, and that can be a very, very, very hard thing to handle. It says the study reveals that nearly 40% of women creators agreed that women consciously decide to make music at home rather than in a studio to avoid potential gender-based harassment. Uh, I would like to know like what the, what qualifies that? Like, does that mean it has to be something specifically about them being a woman in the insults? Are they talking about insults or like comments like that? Are they referring to like the environment, the work environment of a studio being oppressive to women? That's I, I'm only, I can only read what's in the article, but that seems to be what they're saying. Yeah. It says, I mean, clearly from what we've learned from hundreds of a uh, hundred episodes of making this show is that, if you work in the music or entertainment industry, you will be sexually harassed. Yep. Like, without a doubt. So 61% of women have experienced sexual harassment. Respondents uh, also reported that appearance and age still are still major obstacles for women creators. What's interesting about that is that, to me, uh, that number's actually, like, lower I honestly thought it would be higher than maybe I have just less faith in society, but that's almost open to interpretation because what one person calls sexual harassment, another person might just brush it off. We're not talking about physical contact. I'm guessing they're talking like somebody says something really off color and rude about their appearance or calls them toots or something really <laughs> lame like that. You can't have sex in a sex scene. Yes. Like you can't be sexual in a sex scene. It has to be like, I, I don't know. Like, and like they, robotic? I don't get it. So they talk about how half the women surveyed have witnessed age discrimination and two-thirds felt the pressure to look good frequently. Everyone in that industry is pressured to look good frequently, except for like... Isn't that literally your job? That's your job. We talked at one point about, or actually, I don't know if we ever covered it here, about uh, Diane, uh, Diane Lane, or I, my, it was probably somebody else, uh, Diane Kruger, who like went to like uh, an audition for Troy, and they like put her in her full get-up, for yeah, the, the movie and they like had her spin around so they could see what she looked at because it's a visual medium and they need to be able to see what you look like what it's going to look like on camera right the yeah. actors the men in superhero movies have to be in phenomenal shape because the role demands it uh so if their role demands that they look attractive now they're taking issue with that but i guess the argument is that like if you're a woman <clears throat> in music the only thing that should matter is the quality of your music and not how you look but that's that's intellectually not dishonest very your dishonest. image is what's selling your music yep at the i don't know there's i mean music videos still make it get a ton of views even though people could go just go listen to the song that's on essential Spotify. to promoting the yes. song and exactly what's, what's so offensive about this logic is that hey I know like this uh, group or I know this rule set like you you normally do things this way, but everyone has to now accommodate me yep. and I'm not going to do the I'm not going to go by a standards that are appropriate to the medium that we're conveying. I'm a little selfish bitch and everything has to be around me. That's the culture. And yeah, it's, that's kind of a, a bit of narcissism like the, the whole industry, the industry must change for you rather than you Demanding accept that masses of people like you for you when you are not presenting or likable the real you you're presenting an image yeah 
Like, that's entitled. This is movies, but this is a good example of this happening was the actress from the original Top Gun who was not asked to reprise her role in Top Gun Maverick because that she's... Like, Tom Cruise and her are... She's, she's a little bit older than Tom Cruise, but they're both, you know, pushing 60, but Tom Cruise looks really good for his age. Oh, my God. And whether we're... How? Whether we like it or not women are held to a different standard as far as what they're supposed to portray on screen. Uh, men tend to grow in. They, they talk about how ma- male actors grow into their face where, uh, you know, ones who aren't pop stars as early, you know, like child actors who come into be, you know, like they tell actors like you will look better when you're 30 rather than when you're 20. Cause you're going to look more mature. It's going to, it's part of social dynamics that men have more, right. you know, but, have more societal men, men's looks degrade as well and but, i'm sure that their roles speak for yourself but based on the well. role but based on the roles that they're playing they're going to grow into what those roles will pertain meaning mm-hmm. like a, a a somewhat attractive or attractive businessman mm-hmm. or in tom cruise's case uh, a handsome older pilot something like this whereas her role in that movie was as like a flight she was like a she worked for the she was like a civilian contractor for the government she was attractive she actually looked a lot like margot robbie when i, I was watching it the mm-hmm. other day uh and she revealed that no one connected with tom Top Gun offered her a role or even a cameo and I do believe that that sucks I think that she could have absolutely been offered a cameo but then the people have to look at this in in not in a rude way say they're going to look at Tom Cruise at this age and they're going to look at her at this age and they're going to sit in there and that that's going to come to people's minds how different they look the same thing happened when I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife all the old Ghostbusters are just look old and haggard and then there's uh Ernie Hudson, who just looks fantastic for his age, but it's a it, it's less of a problem for men than it is for women, and that's uh, the unfair truth of it. So, it's it's prevalent in both sides of the industry, but within music, it just seems like it plays such a huge role uh, in what makes a female I mean, artist popular. Is this her quote that she believes that uh, she wasn't offered a role because she's old fat? And uh, age appropriate? Did she say that? That was the industry. That I don't believe she said that in here. She says, uh, "Let's see if I can go down." She says, "I don't really keep in." She just talks about she doesn't keep in tr- touch with anyone from Hollywood. I think I've spoken to a couple of. She's not in the industry anymore. She's uh she works as like an addiction counselor now. I think it said on her IMDb okay. page. That's so awesome. she she's got a she's got another job, and so she just feels like it's not her world anymore. But it would have been nice to give her a cameo. Like, yeah. Like Val Kilmer because of his. You know what happened with his throat because he got sick. He had throat cancer, uh, whatever, and he had to have his vocal cords uh, removed, and so they had to do all this crazy stuff to him. He's uh, looks much different than he did when he was in his, uh, you know, twenties or thirties when Top Gun was made. But they're still going to find a way to use him. At least I know that they show a picture of him in the movie. I don't know if he's going to appear in it, but it's just they're held to different standards because men and women are held to different standards. That's just the world we live in. But people have a hard time, and I know that's difficult to accept that we're just not always going to be judged by the same thing. Men will not be given the same benefit of the doubt in their early 20s that attractive women will be given. Oh, my God. Does that make sense? Ain't nothing worse than being a broke young guy. Kind of. Like, like you have literally zero social status and nothing to offer the world, and men are historically uh, judged based on what they can provide, not their inherent value. You're just a nuisance to everyone. (laughs) To everyone. But also, like... People used to have uh, the expectation that that everyone provides something like women would provide life. They would create life and then be respected as as a 
figure of motherhood and yep. and nurturing and warmth and now those aren't not, valued by, by hollywood not does not promote embodying those any of those things and mm -hmm. also hollywood yeah of course doesn't care about any of those things so of course they're not gonna reach out to this woman like the the one more she thing has I, nothing to offer anymore. Yeah, mm. which is a which is really sad. Like yeah, well. that society has gone that way. That she's right. No it's anti-human. Yep. So it says the study also zeroed in on the confidence gap between men and women working in music, identifying the nearly two thirds of female executives feel imposter syndrome when collaborating with men, and seventy four percent doubt their abilities and feel inadequate. Like, is that a product of? Upbringing, I mean, men are just more likely to be like brash and overly confident. Men are way less risk averse yes, than women. Which goes into the gender wage gap stuff about mm. men are men are more willing to ask for a raise. Mm. Uh, and, the, you know, uh, when even if they may, maybe don't think they deserve it, they're going to hold out for that money and they're going to and they're going to walk if they mm -hmm. can because they're not averse to. to I think men are also just uh, better at hyper fixating on one uh, interests or projects, yeah. whereas women um, feel like they want to switch between them more often. So, God, am I a woman? Yeah. Like, what are, <laughs> it says this is linked. There to, are exceptions, Dane. This is linked to the feelings, feeling especially judged when presenting ideas to their male colleagues. A telling quote: One woman reveals, "If I were a guy, I would feel a lot more confident and free making creative decisions." How, How would you know? know that? How would you know? Yeah, That's you, what I'm saying. That's what if you're a disgusting dude? What their experience is. That's that's a huge part of the problem I see with all of these things is is projection. Like you're projecting your intentions and your fears and your anxieties onto somebody else. Dude, I gotta tell. Well, it's like men and women like don't understand each other anymore at all. But it's beyond. And that. are just like scapegoating each other or or lionize like scapegoating or lionizing the other as like being far better or far worse. I have yeah. been literally every physical type you can be. I have been uncomfortably skinny. I have been fat. I've been huge and I've been ripped. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when you're in good shape, yeah, you talk difference. and people treat you like you're freaking Einstein. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, leader, please tell us more. That confidence you, can't be, oftentimes uh, comes. It's not even confidence be because like then you know, uh, Chubby Dane had the same confidence and it was like, shut up. Like yeah. what you're saying does not matter. Yeah. So like what I think she's thinking that if she were a guy, she'd be Don Draper from Mad Men yeah. and she wouldn't. You'd just be a guy. You would still be you as a guy. And like, <laughs> guess what? You're still unremarkable. Taylor Swift made this song called uh, The Man where yeah. she said, like, if I were a man, I'd be the man. But like, Maybe. what made you think that? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you assume that you could have whatever you wanted if you were a different gender? Who also, I'd love to know, like, if if a person of her wealth, stature, and success can still, uh, can like, still whine and complain, whine and complain about it's, that it's not good enough. That's clearly that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, uh, a less depressing aspect of this at the end of this is where they talk about uh, there's some more interesting differences. It says it's important to note that these issues and attitudes towards gender in the workplace, while widespread, are not uniform across all genres, roles, ages, genders, sexual identities, and countries. Latin America and the rest of the world respondents were a bit less likely to be concerned about bias, ageism, and pigeonholing. Europeans were most fearful of age discrimination and reported the highest levels of self-doubt. Canadian and American respondents had the highest concern about limited creative opportunities and were most likely to experience harassment so 
in a world where we're trying to homogenize everything and make everyone 110% equal all the time, no matter what, just the gender and locational information here proves to you how much of a fool's errand that is. So, yep. uh, I, I guess it's to me, I always feel like whenever we cover stuff like this, where it's like, they're trying to make this better and this better. I was like, first of all, these industries that, what is it? It's the name of the group is called the U S USC's Annenberg inclusion initiative. Doesn't want the world more inclusive. They want the world to be more excluded so they can be given more money to study why it's more exclusive excluded in the name of inclusivity. So be very, very they wary. Made their conclusions and then. Yes. Challenge them. Yep. I think we're going to save the rest for tomorrow because the other ones are too good. Okay. Yes, we're going to save the rest for tomorrow. Good. Uh, plus, we, like, we went long on that one. The music industry is, is really fascinating because it's like I don't feel very connected to it. Me so I have, less, I have less uh, bias towards like, like when people get mad in the movie industry and stuff like that, I have connections to how they're made uh, and aspects of it that really make me happy. And I feel like I get annoyed when it's broken down into like really lame, uh, critical theory based, uh, you know, university drivel. Uh, in how they break that stuff down. So when it comes to music, I'm a little, it's kind of like it's, I'm a little bit less biased about it so I can look at it more uh, even-handed. But uh, I imagine that it's not going to change everything very fast because these things don't change over time without uh, uh, a lot of work. But we, uh, Chet Hanks can't do it all, Brett. He can't. Uh, he's going to need us. He's going to need us to help him. And we're here. Mary's here to help Chet Hanks. I want... To get his cameo, we, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to see if we can. He needs to officially bestow the title upon Dane that he's the patron saint. I think you will. Summer. Think you do it? Like we'll ask. We'll throw. And some he also needs to shout out the show. Obviously. Obvi. Uh, Obvi. He can't say Obvi. Ob I just did. No, I'm saying Chet Hanks can't say Obvi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. All right, Dane. Thank you so much for coming today, man. Thank you for having me. Now that you can tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my legion of adoring fans. <laughs> I am here and I see you. Follow me on Twitter and let us shit post together. That was a beautiful at Dane Font. At Dane. That was a beautiful call to action, my friend. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Mary, tell them where you they can find you. You were seen and you were heard. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Closer Kitty. And whenever I post articles on the Timcast website, I promote them on there. Are you gonna make a Chet Hanks article? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Brett Dasvik. And I want to remind everyone that the show is going live on YouTube next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Pray for us. 12 p.m. Pacific. Please pray for us. It's going to be a lot of fun and kind of terrifying at first, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to do our best. For now, you can like the videos on YouTube, leave comments on them, subscribe to the channel, all that great stuff. If you leave a comment, Mary will probably read it and then respond by snail mail. Am I right? I read every single comment, you guys. It gives her life. And I do respond. She does. Be ready. Be ready. Uh, we're on not just on YouTube. We're on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. If you go into the description box and all the YouTube videos, there's a link to the Spotify playlist. It has the entirety of the episode start to finish. Right now, all you're getting are the segments on YouTube, but on Spotify is where you can listen to the whole thing. Uh, we are on social media. We are on Twitter at popculture underscore show. We are on Instagram at popculturecrisispod. And then you will make Dane again very, very happy by following him on Facebook and TikTok at Pop Culture Crisis. We will be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye.